your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Good afternoon all and welcome to Barasti and welcome to this, The Grill. We're live here from Barasti between now and six o'clock. Plenty are in store for you between now and the end of play for us. Talking of the end of the play, there basically is no end of play down here at Barasti. If you're looking for live sport, get yourself down here now. Plenty to keep you entertained. Early thing in English Premier League and the Championship. They're off in around about 25 minutes time or so. Bundesliga off whilst we're still on air. Uh, and we preview all the games after in England, Scotland, Spain, Italy, France and more. Uh, was yesterday the day that England lost the Ashes. How are they faring in the first hour of play on day three of the third test? been played up at Leeds. England in all sorts of trouble. Australia commanding it will have live updates and of course uh, more insight throughout the course of the show. Plus we've got Sri Lanka against New Zealand, West Indies against India and more. England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales uh, are all continuing their World Cup uh, warm-ups. Games from each of they in the world of rugby later on. Big names uh, are in the hunt after round two of the Tour Championship stateside. Challenge Cup final for the leagues out there. That one's live from Wembley and the US Open just around the corner as well. A lot there for, for us to get through and as always we're asking you to be part of the team. How do you do that? Come on down to Barasti. Be part of the team. Come and watch the live sport down here. If you can't make it down, do text us your thoughts on 4001 or have your say online at Barasti Beach, at Dubai Eye 103 FM, at Dubai Eye Sports, or of course any of the Dubai Eye Grill panels. Uh, individual uh, handles. Those are coming your way in just a few moments' time. So if you would like to have your say, please do reach out and join the conversation. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. 4001 on the text. You can have your say online or come on down here to Barastin and be part of proceedings. Who have we got for you? I've got CVR. Collins van Rosenfeld is alongside us. He's been here over the last couple of weeks, keeping an eye on all of those World Cup warm-ups. We've got plenty to talk with CVR about. Uh, live rugby whilst we're on air, Scotland against France. As Scotland, I suppose, CVR, look to get a bit of dignity back in their game after their thumping last weekend. Yeah, Tom, and as you mentioned, that 12 changes to that Scottish team that take on France. That kick-off has a 10 past four this afternoon. And then, of course, the big one, England take on Ireland. And I'll tell you why that's a big game. Who thought we would ever heard these words? Wales is now the number one <laughs> rugby country in the world. Yes, they were cr uh, crowned that last weekend when they beat England. But today, if Ireland beat England, Ireland will take over that number one ranking. So really, a big, big game at Twickenham this afternoon. Very interesting. Eddie Jones has now put Farrell at 12 and Ford at 10. Would this be the combination that he goes to the World Cup with? As I said, we were discussing that during the show. All sorts of developments in the world of sport, all sorts of questions, looking for answers. Uh, when you need answers, who do you reach out to? Where do you uh, reach out to your sporting encyclopedia? Uh, the walk-in talking sporting encyclopedia is Mr. Chris McCarty alongside us this afternoon. Chris, so much for us to get through uh, and uh, some lives in the Premier League to look forward Indeed, to Indeed, well. yes. Very good afternoon to you, Tom. Very good afternoon to CVR and, of course, our listeners. And, yes, I'm excited to be back. Of course, Barasti back here and we will be here across the football season. Early kickoff in the English Premier League today. I'm looking forward to this one as well. It is Norwich City taking on winless Chelsea. A big day this, you feel, for Blues manager Frank Lampard. The longer he waits for a first victory, the more the pressure builds. So we'll be giving you updates on that one. Kickoff in about 20 minutes time at Carrow Road. Norwich against Chelsea. We'll be live there in a few moments as well. Dale Gordon, Disco Dale, <laughs> Disco will be Dale. joining us. I think he's alongside Delia Smith today. Will, will he be joining us? He's alongside all his, uh, his, his, his regular Hall of Famers. I don't know why he's coming back to Dubai. He might as well just stay in Norwich. He's had a good time over there this he's summer, I think. He's had an absolute blast. If anyone uh, doesn't follow Del Gordon, uh, UADG7, I think it is. Uh, yes, well done. You, you, you clearly follow him on social media. Just follow it because it is, just makes for so many laughs along the way. Anyway, uh, we are talking Premier League. There is so much to talk about there. Chris wasn't with us last week, and therefore he didn't get the delights of this. Yeah, it seems to be that if you are launching a new season, anywhere in the world at the moment you need yourself an official launch song why the premier league went down this route remains <laughs> to be seen
Hey yo, welcome to the Premier League. You already know that we the techiest division that the world's ever seen. From night two when it busts on the scene. My goals, my games, football like we had never seen. Man United were the first to win it. Steve Bruce double headers in them final minutes. Ferguson made it clear he never came to play. Ain't nobody wanted more even to this day. Hey, who remembers Arsenal's unbeatable run? Now I even talking the invincible one. Talking back in 02, back when Rooney came through. He was 16 and he shocked everyone. Man came off the bench and he hit top bins. Wengi was shocked, can't believe it went in. Youngest scorer in the league at the time, it was him. No shout out Rooney, that's a Premier League king. And so was Alan Shearer, the league's highest scorer. Ain't no other player scored more than him. Could be headers or shots, don't let him get near the box. The nine times out of ten, you know he's gonna get in. A shout out Giggs, you know he's got the most assists and he's lifted the trophy, what, 13 times? Ain't no player wanted more, that's a Prem King for sure. You done no gigs, he was ahead of his time. I remember that game, QPR and Man City. But there is four minutes of it from uh, the man they call Rap Man. A lot of thinking's gone into that one. Uh, like that it, Tom. The official song for the Premier League this season. Yeah, it's down with the cool kids and all of that. That's <laughs> the, the world that we live in. I actually quite like it. It's quite catchy. I need to listen to the full four minutes version, a, I think. It's a lot better than some of the other offerings that uh, will play out during the show. The Bundesliga one from last week didn't really sort of set us on fire, did I, it? I, I can't quite compare the two, Tom, as you say. <laughs> totally different audience, the, the Bundesliga. Uh, let's t- turn our attention to the Premier League if we can because obviously we've got an early kick-off. We'll talk about uh, team news and I said, uh, as uh, McCuddy was saying, we'll be live to the ground in just a few moments' time. But uh, there was a game last night that we just want to reflect on and it featured one of the teams that have come up into the Premier League this season. Aston Villa been in for a bit of a, well, a bit of criticism uh, over the last few weeks since the start of the season. How would they fare in front of their home crowd? Well, they would fare well, as was attested by Dean Smith. Well, Dean, what sort of emotions are you going through considering your long association with Aston Villa to lead them to that first win since promotion back to the Premier League? I think more pleased just to, to get that first first point or points in the, in the league. Um, you know, I felt our performances have been OK. Oh, tough game to go to Tottenham first game of the season. Uh, and we were, we were good for an hour and not very good for for 30 minutes but I thought we played well against Bournemouth and um, you can see from the support that we've got there's a lot of optimism around they can see that we're performing well and they stuck right behind us tonight I didn't think we started the game particularly well I thought they were brighter than us but we've got a very important win and it was a good performance Yeah, You soaked up an awful lot of pressure and they had very good goal scoring chances so what was the, the secret to you managing to get those two goals at the other end? Yeah I mean we've, we've had a bit of fortune you know they've missed uh, you know, two big chances from the penalty penalty a penalty box. Um, I think the first half the one got blocked. Second half they bit the post, and I think uh, Walcott put one over at the end as well. You know, but I always felt we was a threat on the counter. Whenever we broke, I thought we broke really well in that pace, and we felt that you know watching them they played a, a bit of a higher line, so the space was always going to be behind them, and we used that really well. So that victory for Aston Villa yesterday means that all the teams that have come up into the Premier League this season have scored points. Scored points, yeah, a good win that for Aston Villa. Uh, similar to, I guess, Frank Lampard, when you come back into a division, and incidentally, that's Aston Villa's first win in the Premier League since February 2016. I appreciate they have been out of the division a couple of seasons, but Aston Villa, make no mistake, are a massive football club. And for them to win last night, Dean Smith, you heard it there, huge Aston Villa fan growing up. His father, a big Villa fan himself, so that was a proud night for the Smith family and a big win for Villa because the longer you wait once you're stepping back up, the more the pressure builds on what is, I think, a young, exciting squad at Aston Villa. They brought in an awful lot of players. We saw Fulham do likewise 12 months ago. That didn't work for Fulham. Too many cooks spoiled the broth in that regard. You know, they came in, they upset, the kind of rhythm, the momentum that they took through from coming up in the championship last season. It didn't work. Aston Villa, looking at the opposite side, they'll hope that it does work for them. And Dean Smith, his football teams, whether it was at Walsall, then he moved to Brentford. His teams always play good football. They're pleasing on the eye. Yes, okay, last night they rode their luck at times. Everton probably should have got back into it. Theo Walcott, Mr. Amsterdam absolute sitter with a couple of minutes to go but a clean sheet a victory Aston Villa will be certainly better for that as the season progresses Premier League is better to have Aston Villa back in it reason I say that CVR watching the game last night the crowd uh, is it the Holt End? Is it the Holt End down That's there? It, yeah. What an atmosphere there was down there yesterday as well. And it's just, it, you know, a, a, a club with great tradition, with great fan base as well. Um, uh, you know, England internationals have been played at Villa Park for years gone by. So 
it's, it's just good to have them back and they seem to be enjoying it. Absolutely, and I think the big thing is it is the biggest team in the Midlands of the UK and I think, you know, we're needing a, a support base from the Midlands. It's been lacking for, as you say, since 2016 and yeah, good to have them back but I think, I know it's still very early days and, you know, we're all jumping to, to our conclusions and the football chat groups are going, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But I tell you what, a bit of a worrying start for Everton. A lot of people were forecasting them for top six this season. So far, what I've seen from them, just not finishing off the chances that they had last night and on, in all honesty, before that game, I thought it was a clear three points for Everton. Quite surprised by the result. I think a couple of things went Aston Villa's way. But Tom, as you said, I think it's good for the club. Good to get that early momentum. And as you say, three points at this stage of the season, very, very valuable. Concern for Everton? A little. Yeah, I think Carl makes a point. I mean, listen, four points. They've won one, they've drawn one, they've lost one from their opening three games. I think when you look at the stats, though, they drew their opener nil-nil. They beat Watford by a goal to nil. And then they failed to score again last night. So one goal from three games. That will be a worry for Marco Silva. They've obviously spent massive money on Moise Keane from Juventus. He's taking a little bit of time to acclimatise. He's been starting on the bench. He's been coming on late in games just to try and get up to speed with his new teammates and the league. I have no doubt when he settles in, he will be a big player for Everton Football Club. You're 19 years of age, comes with a huge pedigree and a huge reputation, huge potential that young man has. So they've got a goal scorer there, but right now, until he settles in, I look around that, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, big fan of he, but doesn't score many. Theo Walcott last night, guilty, came off the bench, guilty of that miss. Alex Awobi coming in for big money from Arsenal, he'll take time to settle in. So there are good players at that football club. I do like Marco Silva, but there's no doubt that's a worry right now. Where are the goals coming from? Because one in three games, with all the investment that's been put into that football club, when you throw in Bernard, Richarlison as well, who just looks a different player to the one that started the Go season man. so well. Andre Gomez, who they've spent big money on. So there is a lot of kind of pieces in that Everton kind of puzzle that right now Marco Silva is trying to get them settled in, and he needs to find a way of getting Richarlison, Bernard, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Moisey Keane, Theo Walcott, there's no shortage of players there, but scoring goals is their Achilles heel at this moment in time. That was last night. We will turn our attention to the early kickoff in the Premier League uh, today in just a few moments' time. Uh, Chris was mentioning there Marco Silva. He's got a bit of a game of chess at the moment, trying to work out where to put the police. Is. Uh, how is he feeling after the game? Disappointed? Uh, Marco, bearing in mind the balance of play, the chances you created, can you explain how you managed to lose that game 2-0? Yes, really difficult to... To explain how, how we can lose one game like uh, when you created so many chances to, to, to score. Um, tough, tough game, uh, competitive game, tough place to play football, very good atmosphere also. Um, we started well the game, dominated the game, uh, controlled the game with uh, possession, with some dangerous moments around their box. Um, and the first time they went in our, in our box, they scored. Uh, in one moment, and you knew uh, our players, they were um, aware. We spoke during the, the week because they like to to play fast free kicks, fast uh, fast corner. In that moment, they played a um, fast free kick, and we, we switch off. We missed the focus in that, that moment, and after an hour, defensive moment, we should do better. And they, in the first moment they went there, they scored the, the, the one nil. After that, we reacted, and we, we had a clear, clear chance with our with Dominique to, to score the 1-1. One, one. Uh, but we didn't uh, didn't score. Uh, second half um, was more with our team in their in our own middle, trying to to create chances. They played with nine players around their box. It's not easy to find the spaces. Uh, just when player in the attack line, nine players around the box. Even with um, so many players in their defensive organization, we created the chance. They didn't have chance to change the, the the result for us. When you start playing 4-4-2, the chance start to to come one off the bar. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. It is The Grill, and we're getting ready for the early kickoff in the Premier League. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six games to look forward to in the Premier League today. One of those is the early. It's Norwich against Chelsea. Chris McCarthy's having a look at the lineup. Yeah, I've got team news for you. No surprise that uh, Daniel Farke, the Norwich boss, uh, an unchanged starting 11 from the side that beat Newcastle United last weekend by three goals to one. So Tim Krul starts in goals. It's a young, it's a vibrant back four. Max Aaron's the right back. He will become a future England international, no doubt about that. Jamal Lewis, the Northern Ireland international, at left back, a young man with a big future in the game as well. Ben Godfrey alongside the Scotsman Grant 
Hanley. The midfield two, Moritz Leitner and Tom Tribul. Then comes Todd Cantwell, who had a great game last week against Newcastle. Marco Stieperman and Emiliano Buendia. Buendia's the man, the creation, the creator-in-chief for this Norwich side. And then up front is the man who has scored more league goals in all four England divisions than anyone else in the past year and a half. It is Timu Puki, the Finnish striker. Um, we are looking at pictures uh, of Carrow Road at the moment. Uh, one man who's seeing it with his own eyes at the moment. He probably knows his way around it pretty well as well. Seven seasons and over 200 appearances for the club. He's go gone down uh, as one of the greats uh, of Norwich City Football Club. In fact, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2002. Forget all that. He is Delia Smith's favourite player of all time. <laughs> He's our friend as well. Mr Dale Gordon joins us live on the line. Dale, how's it looking? Good afternoon, Tom. Yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, it's absolutely like unbelievable. It's like Dubai weather, to be fair. It's about 30 degrees, 30 degrees um, in Norwich. Uh, I've been back here now for, this has come up to my ninth week. I was fortunate enough to see the Canaries play last week against Newcastle and put an unbelievable performance in. So they take that confidence going into the Chelsea game. And we know that obviously with Chelsea, Hammer and Frank Lampard still looking for their first win. But Carrow Road is sun-baked and it's an unbelievable atmosphere here. What does it mean? I mean, it, from a former player's point of view, but also for, for, for Norwich fans, for Norwich residents as well. I've been sort of charting uh, your Instagram pages, but also the sort of the party atmosphere that seems to have enveloped Norwich in recent times. I mean, just the fact that Norwich are back in the Premier League, what does it mean for Norwich fans? Oh, listen, the, the, the city is buzzing, absolutely. And obviously, we, we have an early, early kick-off uh, today against a, a Chelsea team that are obviously looking to try and get their first win. But Daniel Farke and Daniel Weber has done an amazing job. It was only this time last year that Norwich City, after about six games into the, the championship, championship season, were looking really to maybe you know, relieve the, the manager of his duties because it wasn't going well for Norwich City. I think the game against uh, Middlesbrough away, they won 1-0. Uh, late scored late in the game, revived that confidence, but they've just taken it on. And obviously from the championship, uh, they've got a lot of youth uh, with experience, a bit of mixture that obviously Daniel Farger coming from Germany has brought on uh, a group of players also as well from the Bundesliga and also as well from League One over there. And they've just got this, at the moment, you can just feel that the confidence around Carra Road, uh, they believe in the manager, the, the players believe and he's obviously breeding that confidence. But more importantly, the supporters have obviously turned Daniel Farker's uh, you know, managerial career around, if you like, because they were caught over his head. But now he's like a god here. He really is. And they fully deserve the three points last week against, a, I would say, a very, very poor Newcastle team. I think that they're the teams that Norwich City need to get the three points against. We know what happened against Liverpool, 4-0 uh, in the first half. But their performance in the second half gave them the confidence to take it into the Newcastle game. And this afternoon, I really, really do believe that Norwich City will get a result against Chelsea. Dale, great to hear from you, my man. Great to see you having a great time over there. And, of course, you will be treated like royalty at Carroll Road today for this match. You touched on a couple of interesting things there, Dalio. You mentioned you're absolutely right to do so. Daniel Farkey has given youth a chance. I'm a big fan of Max Ahrens. I'm a big fan of Ben Godfrey. But more than that, for a lot of our listeners, it's the manner that Norwich go about things, Dale. They aren't a defensive side. They're an attack-minded front-foot team. They play some lovely stuff, don't they? Most definitely, and it's the first time I actually watched Norwich City live last week against Newcastle. And the most important thing I was impressed with, Chris, the way the intensity, the way they moved the ball in midfield. I know if you mentioned there, you've got Max Aaron's on the right-hand side and Jamal Lewis on the left-hand side, who like to get pushed forward as wing-backs. And also as well, an unbelievable presence of Ben Godfrey. I believe Ben Godfrey, if he has an unbelievable season this year for Norwich City, he could be the one that possibly could then join Harry Maguire at Manchester United. That's how confident I am about that boy's ability because he's got power, he's got pace. But that's, that's the, we're talking about Manchester United. Let's look at Norwich City. Absolutely, you're right. And they just move it quickly. And then obviously, the danger man up front, Kuki, my word, Chris, what three goals, what a hat-trick last week. I mean, the goal he scored with a volley uh, in the first half to break the deadlock to go in at 1-0. And his two goals in the second half showed a different type of forward player thinking where he's obviously cutting on his right side, 
pinged, pinged it into the corner, left one, Tanswell as well, another young player coming through the Norwich Academy. And they're breeding this, this youth coming through the academy, which I believe Norwich City this year, Chris, will stay in the Premier League and then push on. But this afternoon's a different kettle of fish. We know Chelsea, as a team under Frank Lampard, are looking for their first win. It's baking here at Carrow Road. Conditions will obviously take, you know, we'll, 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 we'll look at the conditions as well. But I think the Norwich City can... I think they can get a win. And I think that they'll push on again. Because they can have West Ham next week as well. And then away game in the, in the London Stadium. And there's no reason why Norwich City, as you can see, as I'm walking around the ground now, as we talk to you now, the confidence is unbelievable. The buzz is brilliant. I'm going to let you get back to that in just a few minutes' time, Dale. Not before we've asked some important questions. Are you sharing the fact of 50 out with your mates over there? <laughs> Am I doing what? Sorry, Tom. Are you Tom? sharing out the fact to 50 at the moment? Because we don't want you getting sunburned at all, right? <laughs> Listen, I'm back to Dubai on Thursday after 10 weeks over here. I've had a fantastic time. The football club have really, really looked after me. I can't wait to get back to Dubai and top that little cheeky fan I have. Well, listen, Dale, before we let you go, Milan, there's only one final question for you, I guess. Give me a score prediction today. It is Norwich City against Chelsea. It is the early kickoff in the English Premier League. Who's winning this one? Quickly, I'm going to go for Norwich for a 2-1. Pookie and Cantwell. And Norwich win, Tom. We will let you get back to it. Delo, we miss you. Come on back home to the UAE. I know you're enjoying it over there in Norwich. And long may that continue, but we do miss you over here. So we look forward to catching up with you very soon. But for now, Delo, enjoy the game. I will do. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Big thanks to DG for joining us live on the line here from the from uh, all the way here in the UAE all over from Caro Road where he's looking forward to it and long may they continue I, I mean I like it the teams that have come up um, from the championship into the Premier League this season it, 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 you know they're in they're, they're a good addition to they the are. tournament this year they're, they're, they're three good teams who are coached in the right way I mean Dalio said it there anyone who watched Norwich against Liverpool okay in that first half a little naive perhaps certainly defensively big wide open spaces for the likes of Salah for the likes of Firmino and, and they made hay in that opening half but as Dale said second half he tweaked it still had that threat Timu Puki did get that goal and then last week against the Newcastle side who I think are destined for the drop unless things change at that football club but still they went out there they stayed true to their principles and they got a 3-1 win today they make no mistake about it they will give Chelsea problems I've seen enough of Chelsea over the course of the past couple of weeks to know that they will give teams that they play against opportunities a little naive in Chelsea make up somewhat we saw Leicester City probably should have won at Stamford Bridge back last week, last Sunday. Chelsea themselves, though, going forward again. Are Norwich, are they able to be a little cuter? Are they able to have a little bit more solidarity and a little bit more discipline at the back? If they've got that, then they'll trouble Chelsea today. And Dale's going for a Norwich victory. I think a score draw today. Let's hear from the two managers, if we can. Before we do that, let's get confirmation from... Chris McCarty, early part of the season, always good to get uh, a commentary and a pronunciation confirmation. Farky, are we going with that? Yeah, Daniel Farky. Yeah. Okay, not German. Fark, it is definitely Farky. Oh, let me double check that. We're going to go with Farky, I think, uh, for now, that's for sure. Daniel Farky, the Norwich boss, what's he been saying ahead of this game? Well, there's been a lot of praise for Puki, not just from Farky, from my son as well, scored him good points in his fantasy <laughs> league uh, throughout the week as well, as he has been doing throughout the season. Uh, what does his manager make of him? not surprised I work with him meanwhile since uh, several months I know what he's capable of and of course it's a dream start when you're there uh, in the Premier League with uh, I think four goals right now after after two games and he can go on this uh, average uh, I'm not sure if he can handle this but because otherwise he would finish with more than 70 goals in the end but um, yeah in the end of course it was was a good great start it's always good when the striker has such a period so sometimes you have these moments that you just have to watch a ball and the ball goes into the net and sometimes you're struggling and fighting and, and uh, just hit the inner post. It's good to have a good start into the season, good for the confidence, and uh, but not only because of his goals, also because of his workload and his capability to link the play. He's there with several assists and something like this, so I'm um, pretty pleased with him at the moment. And how confident are you that he can keep his goal-scoring momentum up as the season goes on? I don't mind as, as long as we uh, gain points, so it's it's not like we want to win individual statistics, so it's not like uh, I'm unbelievable greedy that uh, Timo uh, Pukki wants, uh, wins uh, the golden boot, so for me it's important that we will win as many points as possible and, and 
Um, if from now on he's there with null goals and all the others are scoring, he's just there with assists. I'm also pleased, but I'm pretty confident that he can go on because he has his quality and also our 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 style of of, of game suits him. And uh, I'm pretty sure that he won't finish the season with just four goals. Have, have you set a target, or has he got a target for the number of goals in his mind? No, no target. And really, top quality um, uh, strikers are not naive. Uh, so they don't know there. There is no target. It's all about the team. And otherwise, in a situation when you uh, go with a two against one on the goalkeeper, you're just greedy to score yourself in order to reach your individual targets. You can't do this. So you just have to think more about the uh, the team. And this is exactly what uh, what Timo is doing because he was uh, there in the last go uh, season with many goals, but also with many many assists. And his workload is always outstanding. I can remember. Uh, one scene last week against Newcastle when he was running back 18 yards in order to gain possession back at our own 18-yard box. And for that, this workload is, is important. And, and let the goals take care for itself, for themselves. Um, he's he's uh, so important for our team and he's a team player and that's the most important topic. One minute in, one goal. Indeed, we have Norwich nil, Chelsea 1, and what a good goal it is as well. Tammy Abraham, who has come in for, well, an awful lot of abuse, an awful lot of criticism. The young man, he's proven himself in the Championship. Question marks are whether he could do it in the Premier League. Well, he has answered his critics and then some. What a goal this is from a Chelsea perspective. Interesting as well, as Ta Tammy Abraham sweeps it home, who is the first person he heads for? It's Frank Lampard. A big hug for his manager, Frank Lampard, who has stuck by Tammy Abraham throughout what has been a frustrating, difficult start to the season, but this goal is made by Tammy Abraham. The ball's played up to him on the halfway line. A beautiful first-time touch into the feet of Mason Mount. Mason Mount, a young Englishman as well, who has been given an opportunity by Frank Lampard. He then opens up his body. He sweeps one out to the far right-hand side to Christian Pulisic. You've then got Aspilicueta bombing up the right-hand side. Pulisic plays him in first time, it's a beautiful cross in from Aspilicueta and then it's a first time on the volley finish from Abraham, he just sweeps it home into the bottom corner, gives Tim Krul no chance, really good goal that from a Chelsea perspective, a bad one if you're a Norwich fan but five minutes on the clock at a jam-packed, a sun-baked Carroll Road, it's Norwich nil, Chelsea won. I interrupted you before you gave me the, uh, the line-up for Chelsea, so we'll get back to that one uh, now, but Frank Lampard's come in for a bit of criticism over the last couple of weeks. He certainly has. Two changes to this Chelsea side that drew last Sunday with Leicester City, and I'm still... Oh, we've got another goal. What a game. What a game this is. What a start to this football match. Dale Gordon a few moments ago said he fancied Todd Cantwell for a goal. I can tell you He's bang on. Norwich won, Chelsea won, and it is Todd Cantwell, the young man that has come through the Norwich Academy, who has levelled things up at Carroll Road. Frank Lampard looks absolutely fed up with things. It's a wonderful goal, this, from a Norwich perspective. They work it well down the left-hand side, and it's Todd Cantwell. We're just seeing a replay of it now. They pop it off in the centre of the pitch to Norwich. They're calm, cool, composed in possession. Buendia beats one, beats two. He feeds Cantwell. Cantwell then finds two. Puki, Puki alongside a lovely little left footed pass in the six yard box and there is Todd Cantwell I think beating is it Christensen or is it Ross Barkley it's Ross Barkley who he gets ahead of slips it through the legs of Kepa there is Daniel Varka we were saying Varka a little earlier it is Varka I have checked that one Norwich are level. It's Norwich 1, Chelsea 1. What a start with a breathless start to this early kickoff in the English Premier League. Six minutes gone at Carroll Road. It's one old Tom. We might get a chance to tell you the lineup yes. for Chelsea in a few moments' time. Before we do that, let's hear from the Chelsea manager his thoughts going into this game. I thought it was a good performance in terms of Michy got uh, the fitness work that he needed out of the game. Um, he scored two good goals, two very good finishes. Um, and uh, I thought he worked hard and that, that's exactly what the game was there for for him so good, very good for him as, a, as I've said before here and I'll say behind on the training pitch we need Michi, we need the competition up front of the three strikers that we have um, and in terms of the performance of the team I thought it was really good all round some outstanding performances from, from some of the young players um, and that's you know uh, really, really good to see and hopefully if they keep continuing on that they can train with us and, and try and use people like Mason and Tammy and uh, Tamori as um, examples of what can happen. Is that a position you have competition, uh, you know, the striking position, like uh, a lot of competition right now in that role? 
Yeah, and you know, as I said um, before, if we'd have been more clinical in front of goal in these last three games, I think we would have possibly had three wins, um, including the Super Cup, because we've been the better team in big parts of those games. Um, so the competition is there. That's the challenge for us, and that's the challenge for the strikers. And it's not just them. We can score from different areas of the pitch. But of course, you do look for your strikers in those moments, and I've got no problems with them. Their attitudes, how they're training, and um, competition is good. Someone needs to, to come to the front, hopefully. The thoughts of Frank Lampard there going in. He was talking, talking at the beginning of that about Michi Batshuayi who's coming back from injury, playing for the under-23s uh, during the week as well. He was saying how important it was to get that experience back into the field uh, as well. But his boy seems to be doing quite well today. Yeah, Batshuayi, I can tell you, Tom, has been left on the bench. Two changes, as I was telling you before Norwich rudely interrupted me with that equalising goal. Two changes for Chelsea from the side that drew against Leicester City. Olivier Giroud on the bench, as we know. Tammy Abraham replacing the French scoring a goal inside three minutes. The other force changed for Frank Lampard was Matteo Kovacic, the Croat. He coming in, him coming in for N'Golo Kante, who has got a knock. So Chelsea's starting 11 is as follows. Kepa in goals. It's a back four. Cesar Aspilicueta, Kurt Zuma, Andreas Christensen and Emerson. Midfield two, Matteo Kovacic, Jorginho. Then it's a fluid three. Ross Barkley, Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic. And then it is a young man, Tammy Abraham, up front. It is a very young team. You look through that team, Tom. Cesar, uh, Cesar Azpilicueta and Jorginho, the probably too experienced of those. The rest is young. Kurt Zuma, young. Andreas Christensen, Matthew Kovacic, Ross Barkley, Mason Mount, Pulisic, Abraham. It's an exciting young Chelsea team, this. Frank Lampard, though, needs a victory by hook or by crook. It doesn't need to be pretty today. Chelsea, come the end of this 90 minutes, just need to be walking away from Carrow Road with a victory, or that pressure will slowly start to build on Mr Lampard. It's one apiece coming up to the 10-minute mark in what has been an enthralling opening to Norwich against Chelsea, opening uh, an early kick-off in the Premier League action today. Talking of action uh, over the course of this weekend, this weekend has seen the first action in the Arabian Gulf. It is the Arabian Gulf Cup, which is the precursor to the Arabian Gulf League, and it got underway on Thursday. We can expect lots of the course of the forthcoming months. Golf League, the Arabian Golf Cup is back for 2019-2020 season, as is uh, one of its best-known commentators as well, the man that's led the English uh, football commentary for the Arabian Golf League for several seasons now, also runs his own sports management consultancy business here in the UAE. Uh, you've heard him uh, on Abu Dhabi Sports, on Sharjah Sports, on Dubai Sports. Pedro Correa joins us live on the line now. Pedro, really appreciate you joining us uh, this Saturday afternoon afternoon has been a busy couple of days for you a good opening to the season yes uh, hi Tom hi everybody hi Chris uh, thank you for the opportunity yes it has been a, an interesting start uh, the expectations are very high for this season as uh, many changes are happening in the scope of the UAE professional league as you might know and heard about it so we start in a good note uh, with uh, many, many good matches, many goals scored, only one uh, goalless draw. All the other matches had two or more goals and uh, it was a very interesting start and I'm really looking forward to, to this season. Interesting form from uh, the Cup into the league. We saw that last year and we've seen an element of that, uh, albeit it's been very, it's very early days for all of these teams uh, in the season at the moment. But Sharjah, who was so dominant in the league last year, uh, going down to, would it be deemed a surprising defeat in the opening weekend of action here in the Cup? Yeah, some, somehow, uh, even though Charger had a good season last, week, last season in terms of the Arabian Gulf League, in terms of the Cup, the, the Arabian Gulf Cup, they have not done uh, so well. 
So, uh, oh, of course, they are the reigning champions, uh, but uh, losing against Banias, especially with Banias playing home, is not a complete surprise. Uh, Banias was also a great side last season home, and they only lost to charge for the Arabian Gulf League home. So um, it's kind of a half surprise, let's say. Uh, it's still the early stages. Uh, I still count with Charger for uh, as being one of the main contenders for the Arabian Gulf League, for sure, and also the Arabian Gulf Cup. But uh, I think Banias might be one of the good surprises, I would say. Pedro, great to hear you and great to have you on the show. Talk to us about what has gone on in the off-season. Some of the big kind of headline-grabbing stories. Undoubtedly for me, Omar Abdurrahman is for so long now the poster boy of UE football. He had an ill-fated little spell over in Saudi Arabia with Al-Halal. He has joined, to much fanfare, Al Jazeera, the pride of Abu Dhabi. Give us your take on that and any other big stories that have caught your eye over the course of the past couple of months. Hi, Chris. Uh, yes, uh, regarding regarding Jazeera, I think Jazeera is right now uh, the main star of the transfer market, let's say, in the UAE uh, football. It's not just Amuri. It's more than Amuri. Uh, they've signed Kino, too. Uh, they have uh, they signed Amr Abdurrahman also from, uh, from Alain. They signed many players, and they had already many good players with them, like uh, Halfan Mubarak, Ali Mabhut. So they will be a very interesting side. Uh, I'm counting with Jazeera alongside with Charja, Alain and Shabab Al-Ahli as the main title contenders. But uh, then if you, if you look ahead, for instance, uh, Alain, they signed Caio from al -Wazel, even though they lost their own Caio to Benfica. They signed Caio from al -Wazel. They signed also uh, Lava, an interesting striker from Togo. I've seen him yesterday in action with a brace in the, the late-night match, so um, many good signings. Also, Alwazel signed Wellington, the main striker for, for Jazeera last season. Charge on the opposite side to replace Wellington, uh, signed uh, Ricardo from Partizan Belgrado. Uh, it's, uh, it has been a, a busy summer transfer window, and uh, I think we will have a very, very good season ahead of us with uh, many good changes. And uh, I expect some teams like Al-Wazel, Al-Nasser, Al-Wahda to eventually interfere in the, uh, in the, in the uh, championship in terms of, uh, of the contestancy there. It is worth just pointing out as well, uh, Pedro, uh, Alvaro Negredo, former Spain international, former Manchester City striker, he plies his trade here with Al Nasser. You've already tipped your hat to them, saying that they might have a better season than what was a pretty frustrating and disappointing one for the Blue Wave last season. In terms of getting more fans engaged with the league, I know one or two exciting new developments, one or two exciting new initiatives for this coming season, one of those being English commentary at every single match. Tell us more about that. Yeah, as, as you know, uh, the, in the UA scope we have in terms of uh, demography, uh, around 80% of the population would be uh, mainly English speakers, even though almost 100% of the population will, uh, will be speaking English in, uh, in, in, a common, uh, in any common day. So uh, one of the main things this season for the Arabian Gulf League is, as you mentioned, the English commentary. All matches will be broadcasted with English commentary. Obviously, Arabic will still be there. It's the native language of the country. And the audiences have been uh, great over the last uh, few seasons. Last season, just for you to have an idea, uh, 16 million viewers throughout the entire season we had in terms of TV broadcast, which I believe it's an amazing number. But now, with the English commentary... Uh, available for all the matches, I believe that will bring even more people first for the TV broadcast and uh, after that, obviously, also to experience the matches live on, on the stadium. And also another initiative is, of course, a lot more investment into uh, the online match centres, be it via the website or the app. Uh, if people are looking for details on that, uh, then uh, what's the best place that people can get those details with regards to getting more information on the league? Yeah, the official channels like uh, the UAEProLeague.ae website and also the UAE Pro League app available on, uh, for Android and also for iPhone uh, are the, the, the main places where you can check for information, for stats, for venues, for uh, the schedules. Uh, everything is there and it's quite complete. Uh, still, the information is being uploaded as we speak. Uh, but I believe, I believe uh, also some uh, new things 
will be there, interesting things that uh, I would advise everybody to, to take a look. Looking forward to it over the course of the season. Pedro, thanks so much to you and your team for all that you've done uh, in the build-up to this brand new season. Good to have the cup action underway. More cup action coming throughout the course of the season, of course, next weekend. For now, though, Pedro Correa, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. See you soon, guys. Thank you. Big, big thanks to uh, Pedro for joining us. AG League, that's AGL League, uh, to find out more. Download the app now for all the latest. <laughs> Might have heard the cheers whilst we're in conversation with Pedro there, Chris McCarty. We've not even had 20 minutes on the clock at Carrow Road and yet we've seen three goals. It was one apiece the last time you came to me, I can tell you. It's now Norwich 1, Chelsea 2 and again Chelsea like a knife through warm butter. So it is Max Ahrens, the Norwich right back. He gives it away. He's in his own half. He's in his own little position there at right back. It's a sloppy pass. Chelsea pounce on it. The ball's played into Christian Pulisic. He started wide right in this match. He's given the light to come in centrally he picks it up he slides a lovely little ball through to Mason Mount he shifted onto his right hand side it, that bef befuddles the Norwich centre halves the, the pitch opens up the picture opens up for him and he just curls it with that right foot past him cruel into the top corner for Chelsea from inside the penalty box it's another good goal it's a poor one from Norwich because they're in possession Tom but Chelsea will they'll well, they'll thank Norwich for that because uh, well, they lead by two goals to one. We said it at this outset of the show. It's a big game, this, for Frank Lampard. They need to get off the mark. 19 minutes on the clock. It's Norwich 1, Chelsea 2. Lots to look forward to in the world of football and sport as well. We talk rugby and cricket next. Unbelievable goal! This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Welcome back to uh, Barasti, where the game is always on. Just want to put you in the picture of uh, what's happening in the cricket because all sorts of drama over at Leeds. Australia have eventually been bowled out. 246 all out in their second innings. So a good start for England the first hour, getting rid of the four remaining wickets uh, overnight. The bad news is that England need 359 to win. Uh, and, of course, that follows on from their 67 all out in the first innings. Uh, they are three without loss as we speak at the moment. Rory Burns has been hit already. We'll have updates uh, of the uh, Aussie bowling against the England uh, batting uh, throughout the course of the show. Talking about all things Aussie, uh, we've had the selection of the Australian uh, squad for the Rugby World Cup. Michael Checker has been criticised in uh, times gone by, uh, but comes into this tournament with a little bit of hope. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's had a good performance against New Zealand. I think, Tom, a lot of people are forgetting that that performance was against 14 men. And uh, I think uh, New Zealand really stamped their authority in the, in the final game of the championship. But uh, quite interesting to see he has brought Adam Ashley Cooper back in, 35 years old, obviously looking for quite a bit of experience. He's gone with Michael Hooper as his captain, no big surprises there. And, of course, Nick White, one of the overseas players that has been brought in. To me, a very evenly balanced side. The big thing for Czech and I is to choose the combinations because, of course, me and you have spoken at heart about this. Kurt Beal, where does he slot into that team? This will be the big question. He's also chosen another utility back in the forms of James O'Connor. Of course, he was this young sensation that made his Australian debut at the age of 19 years old. He's now been called back. He's been playing for Sale Sharks in the United Kingdom. He's back in the Australian team. And also, where will he fit into this team? And then to me, another important one is, who does he play at, uh, at, at fly-off? This will be very, very interesting to see. Does he bring the likes of, of um, Matt Tamoa? Keep him there. Does he go with Bernard Foley? All these questions will be asked. I think it's now time for Checker to decide on combinations for the World Cup. Lots of questions there. Who should we get the answers from? Well, a man very much in the know. Uh, a man who's worked extensively as a rugby journalist all over the world. Uh, Stints as media manager for the Springboks from 97 to 2000, the British and Irish Lions in 2001, the Wallabies and, of course, the Melbourne Rebels. Uh, now based here in the UAE, Alex Brune joins us live on the line. Bruni, thanks so much indeed for your time thanks, this afternoon. Happy with the squad? Yeah, listen, I don't think there's a lot of surprises there. Uh, what has been has changed radically for the Wallabies this year is Checker no longer has sole control of the team. He now has a three-man selection panel, which is Scott Johnson, who's, of course, been around Australia for many, many years, but has been working over in Scotland as the head of performance over there and has done a great job. So he's now a selector, along with Mick O'Connor. Uh, Mick O'Connor was a dual uh, internationally played rugby league and rugby union for Australia. He also was involved in the sevens uh, in, in the the. Australian 7 set up for a long time as well too so he's got a lot of respect 
And so Checker has not been able to have his own kind of idiosyncrasies and the strange out-of-the-box selections. And it's also broken that Waratah dominance of the Wallabies. There was this kind of obsession, if you like, he had with picking the Wallabies that he won, sorry, the Waratahs that he won uh, Super Rugby with back in 2014. So that's been broken now. And it's a much more uh, reasonable setup or, or shared around. So we've got eight Brumbies in the team. We've got eight Rebels in the team. We've got eight Waratahs. And we've got, I think, it's six or seven uh, uh, Reds. So it's a lot more even spread. And, you know, there's not that many out-of-the-box selections the weird thing with Checker is he seemed to used to pick people on personalities. And you just wonder, what the hell is that guy doing in the team? It was because Checker liked something about his personality. And that's now gone out the window, and he seems to be picking a lot more on form, which is a really good sign for Australian rugby. One big omission from the Wallabies squad, of course, we know the rules that they do follow, Alex, is well, uh, Will Skelton. Now, a lot of talk was before he was trying to convince Skelton to agree to come play for the Wallabies. Shouldn't Checker have started this conversation about six months ago? Yeah, listen, I think it's, it's a tricky one. Uh, uh, to tell you the truth, I mean, he's a great player and he's a, a lot fitter now than he was when he was playing for the Waratahs. So he would have been a great addition. But if you look at the Wallabies, they've been doing really, really well at line-out time. Their line-out has been so much better this year. And that also has been because Checker is no longer giving the line-out responsibly to Mick Burns, who's the skills coach, and is actually giving it to Simon Raluli, who is the forwards coach. So he should probably look after the line-out. So this year he is actually looking after the line-out. And the the Wallabies line-out was very, very good against the All Blacks. It made the All Blacks line-out look second-rate. So he's got, you know, some, got some good big timber there. He's got Rory Arnold there, who's doing a great job. Um, he's also got Adam Coleman, who's sitting on the bench. He's got some good choices in the lock. So I don't think at this point in time... Listen, it would have been great to bring Will Skelton back, but the problem is he needs to get some kind of cohesion. He needs to get some kind of team spirit. And he's actually now taking the team across to New Caledonia, of all places. They're across there doing a, a fortnight training camp. And I think he's really trying to build up a team spirit. And I think to bring in Will Skelton to that setup at such a late stage, I think that would have just like upset a lot of players and would have upset the rhythm in the team. So, you know, Will Skelton would have been great, but I'm okay with the Wallabies going without him. They looked, you know, the forwards have looked pretty, pretty good, but it's can they get the backs and forwards working together in such a short period of time? Because they've only had three matches this year. And as you were talking about before, Charles, all the new players who've got to come in, James O'Connor's come back, Christian Lealiafano now seems to be his first choice, number 10. You know, he's got all these combinations of these new players playing together. And is that going to hold together when they come to the big pressure of the World Cup and they have that huge match against Wales, you know, to win that pool? Is it going to hold together because it's such a new setup? And, and these are the things which we're not really going to know till the day. Alex, talk to me about the kind of makeup. You said something interesting about team spirit. I look at someone like James O'Connor, well-documented problems as a younger man. Curtly Beale is not without his controversy either. What is the kind of team spirit like? Is that the biggest Achilles heel for this Australian team? Are they all singing from the same hymn sheet? Listen, I think they're closer to it. We won't really know about this Australian team till we see them run on the field against Wales. A couple of weeks ago, I would have said to you that I don't think the Wallabies will beat Fiji in the first game of the World Cup. But now I think they will after seeing you know, what they did against the, against the All Blacks in Perth. Uh, but you know, he's brought people like Nick White back into the setup. Now, Nick White is an honest footballer who doesn't walk around with a lot of ego. He's just a guy who fits in and does his job. And the fact that he's giving Nick White a, a, a jersey, the first choice number nine, over Will Genia, finally shows that he's picking the team on merit. And the big thing when I used to speak to the Wallabies over the last couple of years, because I've done a lot of profile work, etc., is they all felt really confused. They just didn't know what Checker wanted. You know, once they'd say, I want you to go out and do this on Tuesday, then they'd go out and do it on Saturday and they'd get the, you know, the crap blown out of them for you know, not doing following the coach's instructions, but they seem to have changed in three or four days. So he now seems to be picking the team on merit. And when the players get that, when they understand what the coach wants, when they understand the selection process, when they see the players who are working hard getting picked in the team, then it kind of makes sense to them. So I think the spirit is a lot better. And when Checker leaves out one of his favourite sons like Nick Phipps, he hasn't picked Nick Phipps, who he used to have with his Waratahs with the scrum half, and he's gone for players on merit and on form, what they're doing on the training park, what they're doing on the field. It just brings a lot more cohesion to the team. And, and players, they're all, they understand the process and they understand what they're doing. And, you know, it all goes back again to Scott Johnson's made a big, big difference, as has Mick O'Connor coming in. And the players are a lot more clear. So I think, you know, they are starting to sing from the same song sheet. But 
you know, you've got to think Warren Gatlin has had that Welsh team together now for a decade. You know, they know so well all their roles, what they're meant to do, how they're meant to do it, how they're meant to play. And when it comes down to that big game, you've still, you still got to go with Wales. Bruni, uh, thankfully, uh, the tournament is almost upon us, uh, less than a month ago now, so all the chat that we will have in the lead-up to it uh, will come to now once it gets underway. Talking of chat, though, I can't let you go without a quick comment on what's been happening in the Ashes. All the chat was about England, there's England that World Cup champions in the shorter format. Um, how impressed have you been with this Australian cricket team, and have England underestimated them? Oh, listen, you've got to congratulate the coach. You know, you go back six months, Australia had lost every test match and every one-day cricket that they've been played. Cricket in Australia was a joke. And remember when Langer brought the Australians out here and they had the, the series against Pakistan and they had the one-day series, they were a laughing stock. I mean, I did a bit of work covering that tour for Sport360 and just being around the team, it was a joke, an absolute joke. But Langer knew what he was doing. He stuck to his guns and he introduced a new team spirit and a new ethic into that side. And it's, it's worked absolutely brilliantly. All credit to him. And you look like a player like Manus Labushain. To see him come from nowhere, and he wasn't... The, the most extraordinary thing about this test match is the two players who have been the stars for Australia weren't even picked in the first test. Um, Hazelwood and Labushain. They have been your stars. So it's a really good squad. It's a really good ethic. And, you know, hats off to Langer what he's done. He's done a fantastic job. And he hasn't been scared to bring in players like Ricky Ponting. You know, he's got Steve Waugh there. You know, he's, he's brought in those people. So he's not scared to have those really big, strong personalities in the team giving the feedback when it's necessary because they are the guys who've had the experience. And that is the mark of a really strong coach with a really strong personality when he doesn't mind having those people around, those voices around. So, you know, he did a great job um, coaching in Western Australia. Um, and he, he really... he. he he did what he needed to do to show that he could take on the national team. He was a great batsman himself with a lot of guts. And he's just brought that into the team. And I think all the hats off credit's got to go to him because the selection's been great. The players have done a fantastic job. And they're all producing for him at the right time. That's a really good point. I think uh, that is what England are lacking at the moment, conversely. Listen, Brittany, we're going to let you go. I know you're busy at the moment. Uh, we've had another goal that we've got to report on here, but really appreciate your time. Enjoy the cricket. And, of course, thanks. we'll be talking to you ahead of the rugby as well. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Alex Brunner, thanks to you. Thanks, Tom. Bye. A big thanks to Alex. And all the commotion you heard behind us there. Wasn't England going off for lunch, although it was a big cheer that they go off without conceding another wicket. Uh, we'll have more details on that one, but there has been a goal cut. Football is back, Tom. 30 minutes on the clock. We've seen a half hour in the sunshine over in Norwich, and we've got a fourth goal. It's now Norwich 2, Chelsea 2, and it's far too easy for Norwich City Football Club. Todd Cantwell, he's a young man with a bright future. We heard from Dale Gordon a little earlier. He starts this with a lovely little bit of skill. The ball's fed into him probably about 30 yards from goal, and he just gives it the little pirouette. He moves the ball in, it moves the ball on to Emiliano Buendia. What a player he was for Norwich in the championship, the little Argentine. He, like Pulisic for Mason Mount's goal, he's come off his left wing station. He's central, he's getting, getting in amongst it. He picks the ball up, he slides a little ball down the side of Kurt Zuma, and who else? Timu Puki, the finishman. He is there, he runs, he gallops in behind. It's a wonderful finish across Kepa. Kepa gets a hand to it, it's not enough to keep the ball out of the back of the net. Frank Lampard's got issues. Frank Lampard has got a lot of issues. Chelsea concede too many goals. <laughs> Four at Old Trafford, one against Leicester, now two today. They can score goals up the other end. I don't think there's any doubt in that. It's can they keep them out. Christensen and Zuma, they're young. They're inexperienced to an extent, and they're being shown up today in this match so far. It's been an absolute barnstorming match in the opening half an hour. It's Norwich 2, Chelsea 2. One thing I can guarantee you, Tom, there's more goals in this one. <laughs> we are going to get in trouble because we're so late to go to the news at the top of the hour. But what can you do when you've got so much sport to talk about and goals flying in the Premier League? We'll be back with more after this. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app.